0: You're listening to the Bright City Podcast. To hear more about our gatherings, groups, and what's going on in the life of our church, visit brightcity.church or follow Bright City Church on Instagram. Today's message is from Pastor Nick. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Doing all right? Hey, welcome to Bright City. If this is your first time, uh, my name's Nick, and I'm so glad that you're here. Um, we, we are expecting and excited for a, a new fall. Uh, we, we just believe that God is doing some great and beautiful things in this community. Uh, but as you may know in your life, sometimes when God is doing good things... And when he's answering promises in our life, sometimes those things come with growing pains, right? Anyone ever experienced growing pains? I've got kids that are in the younger age group. And, you know, every once in a while, one of them will come downstairs and they're like, hey, my calves are on fire. Like, I I need something. And I'm like, get a banana. I've heard that's helped before. But sometimes in life. Potassium does not help us with the problems, right? Like, I wish it was a potassium issue. Like, God, if I just took the potassium, then the pain would subside in my life. But that's not the case sometimes. Anytime God is bringing growth in our life, that requires a stretching and growth from us. And every once in a while, sometimes there is a stretching that happens that produces a pain in our lives. Has everybody been there before you've been there? okay. so one of the very most favorite spiritual verses uh, in the Bible that I love talks about this in an incredible way. It's actually Proverbs 14, 4. It says this, it says, the only clean stable is an empty stable. And so if you want that Instagram perfect life, the life where you can post it all the time and be like, check out my wonderful smoothie blender. And this is what it's like to get ready in the day in the life of Nick Connolly, And this like you guys would if I did that, you would be so bored. It's 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 quite underwhelming. And what what that is, is I think it's proving this point, is that if you are living an empty and pain-free life, then you are living an underwhelming life. Like, you're not living the life that God's called you to live. But if you want to live the life that God's called you to live, uh, so if you want the work of an ox and to enjoy the abundance harvest, right, what God wants for us, then you will have a mess or two to clean up. And so back in this time, you're probably lost in this passage a little bit. But in this time, if you had a bunch of oxen in the stable, it was because God had blessed you immensely. Like if in the more oxen you needed, it was because you had more harvest and more crops. Like, can you imagine coming into harvest season? This is a little different for our Trader Joe's mind. So stay with me. But it's harvest season and you're harvesting, and you're like, man, this is too much. Next year, we're going to need another ox. Like, that, that's blessing, right? But I don't know if you've ever seen an ox or any type of oxen, but they don't smell great, right? So, you know, it's not the smell that you want in your life. And the other thing is, is they poop everywhere, right? It, it, it happens, trust me. I'm not even from the farm. I'm from the city, and I, I know that truth. And what this passage is saying is like, hey, if you want the promises of God in your life, you're going to have a little bit of poop in your life and you've got some choices that you need to make. You can embrace it and see it as growing pains in your life. And you can join with God and grab a shovel and do the work in your life while he does the work in your life. Or you can live the empty life and you can live a carefree life and you can live a very underwhelming life. And so as a community, I believe that we are in the midst of some growth. And with that growth comes growing pains. Like there's just things that happen in the midst of the community that'll have to change. That'll be a little bit of, that'll be a little different. And how many of you love change? You're like, oh, I love change. It's so great. Like not very many of us love change. Like we go the same way to work. We drink the same drink in the morning. Like everybody's got their Starbucks drink, right? Does everybody have their... Five pump, triple this, non fat that. Like, you know, we have those things in our life because we love consistency. And every once in a while, when we have growth, it challenges that need for consistency in our life. But the most beautiful thing about growth is that even though there is pain, there are promises that God is doing and fulfilling on the other side of that pain right? Like, like he's doing the work in our lives. He's doing this thing in our lives. And not only do we get to sing about it, but we get to experience it. But every once in a while, we've got to push through the poop to get to the promises. Amen. Amen. All right. So we are continuing this journey in Growing Pains this week. And actually, the passage that I want to use might be familiar to some of you. Um, It's actually one of those passages that has a really famous verse, whether you grew up in the church or you didn't grow up in the church. And it was actually that badge of honor if you did grow up in the church because you were like, oh, yeah, I memorize scripture all the time. Like, I just know I know all the verses of the Bible. And then they're like, "Okay, which one do you know? And you know what you do? You pull out that two glorious words that you have no idea why it's happening or what's going on. Jesus wept. Can I get an amen? Right? Like it's, I know my scripture. Jesus wept. And then some of you are like, oh, I weep all the time. Thank you, Jesus, because I'm a weeper, you're a weeper. I'm safe in the arms of Jesus. And so this is John 11. And John 11 is this beautiful passage because Jesus is living in such a way where he is revealing. The heart of the Father. One of the things that I think the world does is it presents a lie that we cannot know God. That we cannot understand God. And I think sometimes it uses it as an excuse because you don't have to make a decision about God if you can prove that he's some sort of nebulous being out there in the middle of nowhere that you don't have to make a decision about today. But one of the things that Jesus is doing, he's like, hey, I know that God is God and I know that he is all powerful and I know that he is all knowing and I know that we're not going to be able to understand everything about God. But one of the things that I'm going to do is I'm slowly over time going to reveal who the father is by how I live my life. So when you're reading John's gospel, it's just Jesus walking the earth among the people and saying hey do you know who your father is like hey do you know how incredible he is like do you know that in this certain situation that i think it's like john 8 that normally in this moment people would throw rocks at you but I want to reveal a little bit about who the father is and in the father there's grace forgiveness for those who want to put their faith in him and so we're not going to throw rocks anymore in fact I'm going to move a rock later on and I'm going to get out of the tomb and because of my resurrection I'm going to extend grace and forgiveness throughout this whole land forever and so slowly Jesus is revealing who the father is. But one of the other things I love about John 11 is that we just see a little bit of a human side of who Jesus is. Like he's fully human. He's fully God. And we find out that like Jesus actually had friends. Like there was like those that Jesus was obligated to love like, if you, you have those people in your life, I'm probably one of those people in your life. Like, you're obligated to love me. Like, Jesus had those people. Like, Peter, I love you, but you've you got to stop saying stupid things. Like, that's obligated to love Peter. But then there were friends that we find out, like, Jesus actually had... Friends that he cared about. I don't know if you've ever seen the meme. Um, anytime I can bring a meme up in a, in a preaching sermon, my, I get street cred with my kids. So this is not about y'all. This is about me as a father. Um, but it says the real miracle that Jesus did would have friends in his 30s. Have you ever seen that? Like this, this is the miracle of Jesus. Like this is who he is. He's doing miracles everywhere. And one of those is having friends in his 30s. And so I want to read this passage and then I want to talk a little bit about what I believe that God wants to say to us today. Uh, but just a warning like, it, it's, it's some scripture. Like, normally we come in and it's like, all right, two words of passage. Thank you, God. Like, this is scripture. So just stay with me. I'm going to read, I'll read slow, and then we'll go back. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother, Lazarus, was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. Now, I know this is hard to believe, but there was a time when there wasn't cell phones and and mobile devices and like they couldn't post on their social and tag Jesus like, hey, the one you love sick, like come quick, hashtag be here now. So this is their sending word and they're like, hey, the one you love, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, He said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from all of this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. And Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there's a danger of stumbling because they have no light. Then he says, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he will get better soon. I'm with the disciples on this. Like, sometimes you just need a nap. And they thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there, for now you will really believe. Come, let us go see him. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go too and die with Jesus. So I love Thomas already because I believe in the power of sarcasm. I'm like, hey, you know, there's a little bit of sarcasm there. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been dead in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem and many of the people had come to console uh, Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house and Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. So Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. And then Martha said, He will rise when everyone else rises on the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, and the one who has come into, the, uh, come into the world from God. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus has stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they jumped, they assumed she was going to see Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her there. This is kind of like one of those things if you've ever seen on Instagram, where like someone's acting a certain way to see if they can get the other person freaked out. So like they're the people that are like looking at the ground weird and then they start running around in circles and the person next to them has no idea what's going on and then they start running around in circles. Like this is that moment. They're like, we have no idea what's going on but Mary has jumped up and she's left so we're following her. When Mary arrived, she saw Jesus and she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if we had only been there, uh, if you'd only been there with my brother, he would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him, he asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him? But some said, this this man healed the blind. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. And cave with stone rolled uh, with a stone rolled across the entrance. So we're heading to the home stretch. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, "Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible." Jesus responded, "Didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe?" So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up at heaven and said, "Father, I thank you for hearing me. You always hear me." But I said it out loud for the sake of all those people standing here. So that they will believe that you too have sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Then Jesus told them, Unwrap him and let him go. And so one of the things that we see. In this passage is something that Jesus is showing us, and I'm going to be honest with you, it is something that I do not like at all. So are we all on the same page as that? So when I say this, it's not like all oh, that dang pastor. he's telling me that he likes this, and so I should be like this. I don't like this at all, but one of the first things that we see, in order to make it through the growing pains. So that we can get to the growing promises that God has for us is we have to embrace the pace of God. I, I know I don't like it either. Have you ever noticed in your life that you and God seem to be on a different page? Have you ever noticed that? No. OK, let me ask you a little bit more. Have you ever noticed that you and God seem to be on a different timeline? Like, God, I, I've been journaling about him or that for a long time, and neither one of those things has happened. Like, gentlemen, maybe you, you've you had the journal of the dream girl, and you're like, I, I, you know, I, I don't know what happened. Maybe I ruined it. I don't know. But, God, I've been praying about this for a long time. I've been praying about this job. I've been praying about this thing. I've been praying about all these things in my life, and, God, I just am wondering why are you on a different timeline than me like clearly god i have the better timeline in this relationship and so one of the things that jesus is showing them is that his timeline is different than the disciples timeline when jesus gets word of what's happening he doesn't jump straight into the problem and go straight to the town and then do the thing he waits a few days like can you imagine being the disciples like i it, like I see this in my kids sometimes. Like, sometimes they're frustrated when they feel like they know better. And sometimes they do, and it's incredible. And then sometimes they don't. And I can just tell that this is going to be a painful moment because they think they know better than me. And at this time, in this moment, in this place, I have a little more experience than them. And so therefore, they're going to have to trust the pace and the decisions that I'm making. And so as the disciples, I can't imagine what they were thinking. Like, why on earth are you waiting two days? And then they start to make some movement and it's like, no, no, no. Why on earth are we going back to that place? If you've read John's gospel before they get to this passage, there is a moment where they're in this other city and they encounter extreme hostility. So on one hand, you've got the and this is why Thomas is like, oh, sure, let's go. We'll die. It'll be great. This will be awesome. You can raise Lazarus and you can raise us from the dead. It's going to be a great afternoon. This is going to be awesome can't wait to post about it. It's going to look really good in my stories. No, like Jesus is operating at a different pace because I believe that he wants to show the disciples and show the people in this moment that if we are going to follow God, if we are going to experience relief from the pain, if we're going to experience the promises that God has for us, we have to embrace his pace rather than throwing our pace on his plate. It's just one of those things that has to happen in our lives. Here's the hardest part about this. Is that the slower the pace, the greater the pain, right? Like, have you ever experienced that? Like, it's like, man, I, like, God, this is, this is painful. Like, we're, we're going on three years, God. We're going on five years, God. We're going on ten years, god and i mean just just let's be honest like i'm having a moment right now with amazon prime like why am i having to pick the quicker option when i pay for the membership for the quicker option if you okay thank you thank you like why am i having to do the work to remember to select get my product asap rather than them just doing it, right? Like I live in this country, like I have a problem not getting what I want, when I want, whenever I want, right? Does anyone else feel that way? Like recently streaming has gone backwards in time where they used to give you the whole season and you can make your own bad choices as to whether or not to binge that and sleep sabotage all in one day. Now, now they're like trying to give me a show in moderation. I don't need that control in my life. Like, when we live in this country, we believe that things should happen when we want, how we want, in the ways that we want. And what God is showing us in this moment through His Son, Jesus, is that there is a different pace of the kingdom. There is a different pace of the King. And whenever we don't embrace that pace it is going to produce a deep pain in our lives where we will begin to blame God, we'll begin to hate God, we won't trust God. Like, I I mean, I'm with Thomas in this moment. I'm like, yeah, let's do that so we can die and then they die. And like, none of this makes sense. But for whatever reason, Jesus was operating at his own pace and showing them a different way so that they could see who God is and how the kingdom works in this moment. Have you ever had a moment in your life where you've questioned the timing and the pace of God? Maybe you're there right now. Maybe you're like, man, I, God, I, I believe this is a promise. Like I think sometimes in my own life, I almost don't want God to give me any promises if I know I'm going to have to wait for him, right? It's like, God, I'll just, I'll find out when I get there. Like, <laughs> I'm getting up tomorrow. It's Monday. I'll, I'll clock in. I'll go home. But this is the beautiful thing about being a child of God is that we get the promises of God. And when we get the promises of God, it rises up a hope and a faith and belief in us so that when we see the what could be, when we see the possibilities, it gets us excited. It lets us know that there's more to life than just showing up at a job. There's more to life than just clocking in. There's more to this life than this world wants us to see. And so when we receive the promises of God, when we see that God has a plan for our life, it should arise a faith and a hope and a trust in us, but sometimes that is squashed when we have to wait on God and what He's doing in our lives. And so when we learn to embrace the pace, it it takes a lot because we've got to trust it. It's like, God, I, I don't know what's happening. We have to believe in it, but even more, like we have to believe in him right like that that's what it's hard for me that's that's the pain point for me it's just like forget all the things that are going on around me or not going on around me like this just feels like an attack of my faith like this just feels like an attack on me and i, and I don't like i want to believe help my unbelief i don't like not believing in who jesus is and what he's doing in my life but sometimes when he stays Two days longer, or two years longer, or 10 years longer, I begin to waver and doubt. But one of the beautiful things about Jesus is I think he makes room for those moments. And as we'll see, is so not only do we need to embrace the pace, but we also need to see that he embraces our pain. Like when you see this moment, it's incredible. What happens? I mean, it's almost like then this happened and then that happened. It's like a drama soap opera. It's like, oh, there's so many emotions going on right here. I can't tell if I'm at like a teenage young women's youth event or if this is like scripture. Like, there's just so much happening in this moment. Have you ever noticed how people process painful situations differently? Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever noticed how sometimes you get mad at them for how they're processing the situation? You're like, I, I, I just wish you would cry a little bit about this, or I wish you would you know, laugh about it, or I wish you would... You know. Sometimes we have problems with other people's pain and how they process moments of pain. Uh, this was a very scary moment, but now that we're many, many years on the other side of it, it sometimes becomes a very funny moment between my wife and I. Uh, a long time ago, we had a medical emergency uh, with our daughter. We woke up, something wasn't right. And so we knew, and it became very clear that we had to get to the hospital. And so, what happens in this moment is I uh, ask her to call 911, and then I start doing all the things around me that I knew to do. Like it was like a blackout moment, and I just was like doing this, doing that, doing this, and doing that. Well, somewhere along the line, I noticed that my wife did not call 911. Um, she actually called a friend, which was still great, like, you, you know, girls got to call friends, like, sister, I, I need you to have my back, like, but in that moment, I realized that she was not, in fact, talking to 911. So I called 911, I'm packing all these bags, I get the kids in the car, and we're like sitting in the car ready to follow the amulets. that I hadn't got there yet. And I don't know how on earth I got there and now we laugh about that because she's like doing laps around the house i mean these were spiritual laps like they were good spiritual laps of god and belief in the moment but i just slipped into preparation and she slipped into like some laps and then a phone call and like we operate in different levels when it comes to pain but the beautiful thing about that is somehow in God's grace, we become one healthy unit in the midst of pain. And so when you're reading this passage, like you see the disciples are, are, are part of our processing what's happening. Like if a friend of his Jesus is a friend of Jesus, it's most likely a friend of theirs. And so they've got questions. They're like, God, I don't we we can't wait. And why are we going to the city that doesn't want us there? Like I'm an introvert. I don't need to go to the place where no one wants me. I don't even want to go to the place where people want me. You ever feel that way? Like, I have a hard time going to the place in the party where the people actually want me to go. And I'm already planning when I'm going to leave before I get there. Like, nobody wanted them there. And so there's, like, sarcasm that flows from the disciples. And then Martha. Martha, if you've read Scripture, Martha is a doer, right? Like, she's the doer. She's the get the things done. And she actually is a woman of action and comes and meets Jesus before he even gets to the village. Like she goes out and she's ready to roll. And then what I love about Martha is like Martha, even like in her pain, she has proper theology, which is like so annoying. Like, okay, Martha, we get it. Like we're over here crying and you're like reciting that you believe and trust in God. And then Jesus is like, you know, I'm doing this for so you can see a miracle. And she's like, yes, I know. I know we will all rise in the last of the days and everything will be fine. If I'm there, I'm like, Martha, what on earth are you talking about? Like, I know I learned that in Sunday school, but like, like this isn't the time for getting the Sunday school lessons right. Like, you can't, can't do this right now. And then there's Mary. Like, Mary kind of stays at the house, right? Like, she's just kind of kicking it out of the house. And so if I was Martha, I'd be like, why, why aren't you going to meet the guy, the only person that can change the situation? Like, get up. Let's welcome. Like, maybe we need to make breakfast. Like, I don't know. But Mary stays back. And then all of a sudden she decides that she's going to go run and meet Jesus. And then what does she do? Some of, some of y'all might resonate with this. I, I'm more of a handshake. How do you do? Nice to see you. She throws herself at his feet. It's like, okay, well, that was, that was a lot in that moment. Like, good job, Mary. Like she's doing her thing. Uh, and so, what I love about this passage is that Jesus is embracing everyone's response to the pain. Like, there is in no way, shape, or form Him saying, I, "I'm sorry, you can't act like that." I, I'm I'm sorry. I'm gonna need a little more, a little more faith, a little more umph. Hey, you in the back, I'm so sorry. You you said that thing about the end of the times and and Revelation and people rising, and it wasn't exactly right. Like, I, I think. I think you could say it a little better. Like, no, Jesus is embracing everything that happens in this moment. Uh, There's a passage in James's letter. James was the brother of Jesus. And it's one of these passages that I've memorized in my life and I think about all the time. And it starts off and it says, consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many times. And every time I read that, I'm laughing at it. I'm like, what do you mean consider joy? Like, what do you, so when trials happen, I need to be like happy-go-lucky. Is that what you're saying here, James, brother Jesus? And what I love about this is sometimes we think that it means that we have to be the most buttoned up and the most controlled and the most recited when it comes to our pain in the midst of Christian situations. But Jesus is saying, hey, I need you to know I'm making room for anything that you need to feel in this moment. Like, hey, this is... This is those two days that I wasn't here like that was probably pretty painful right like you probably didn't think I was going to come like you you couldn't track my location no find your friends like you, you're just sitting there like you are going through the process of burying your brother how was that and so in this moment like it's just so Beautiful that Jesus is allowing everyone to fill everything. And I think sometimes when it comes to our pain and when it comes to embracing the pace, we try to button it up for God when he's the only one who can take exactly how we're feeling. Like, if you let God know how you feel about the pace, like sometimes you read the Psalms and you're like, I don't know if you're supposed to say that to God. Like sometimes when our kids say something weird, I'm like, oh, I don't want to sit next to you. And they're like, why? Like lightning about to come down. Like, I don't I don't want to be next to you when you're struck by lightning. And, you know, I'm just joking with them because I got to give them some sort of trauma from the religious upbringing. And and I think sometimes we think that we cannot respond to God with our authentic self. Like, we think that we have to button it up for Jesus, and what ends up happening is we snap on someone else. Yeah. Like, we're like, oh, yes, God, holy is the Lord. Like, great is thy faithfulness. And then we go to work, and we, like, let them have it. And, and Jesus is like, hey, let's flip that. Why don't you let me have it, and why don't you love them? And so one of the other interesting things that is happening here. And, you know, scholars debate about this all the time of like why Jesus is crying and all, all the things like this is exactly why he's crying. And if anyone tells you different, their theology is wrong. But what, what I'm looking at this moment, like I wonder, like I know Jesus is responding. He's got his own feelings about this moment. But I'm wondering if he's modeling something for us. Like I wonder if he's saying, hey, I, I need you to know that if you feel like you need to cry right now, like tears are okay in the pain. In fact, watch me crying. Like, hey, if, if you're feeling a way about this, like I just wanna let you know that you can be sad in this moment. Like, I just wanna let you know that you can feel everything that you're feeling. Like, you ever think about this? I'm sure you thought about this in Sunday school when you were writing, reciting this verse that the one who knew the outcome was still the one who cried. Like like when I know the outcome of things, good or bad, I'm like, okay, all right, let me brace myself. I know this is happening. That's going to happen. I know this needs to happen before that happens. And the one who holds everything together is the one who also cried. And so what I think is happening in this moment is I think he's wanting you and I to know that when we are embracing his pace, There will be pain that flows from that and in the midst of that pain it is okay to voice exactly how you're feeling like it's it's okay to cry like he's making room for everyone's emotions in this moment and so as we embrace his pace and he embraces our pain we get to embrace his purposes so there's two things that are happening here and i want to be super quick because I went super long last week and I don't want to go long again. But when we have moments in our lives where we're trying to wait on God and we're trying to figure out how to navigate this pain, sometimes we're in these places where we're asking why God, right? Like any of you ever been there? Like God, why, why? And what I've noticed, I don't know if it's just because I've lived in the South for a long time is the deeper the question the more cheese we need to put on the answer. Like, oh, well, it's just God's plan and God's thing, and he's got it going on, and we'll never know on this side of heaven. And, you know, that's why the angels cry a thousand tears, and on Friday it rains every day at 5 because angels cry a thousand tears. And that's, like, in your grandmother's bathroom somewhere. Like, it, sometimes we, we don't know what to do with that question Why? And then if you continue on, it's like, oh, well, you know, God never reveals why. But what's so crazy about this passage is twice Jesus says why. He says it two times. First time he says it, he says, this is verse four. Spoiler alert, it's for his glory. He says, but when Jesus heard about it, he, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death, no, it will happen for the glory of God. So that the Son of God will receive glory from This And so what God is saying in this moment is that the only one who knows every situation and circumstance that is happening in this moment is the only one qualified to hold everything in this moment. And so he's saying, I need you to know you might not understand it, but it is happening for my glory. There's going to be some things that come out of this moment that are going to cause you and cause other people to fall more in love with me and worship me more deeply and have my fame spread in such a way that wouldn't have happened if there was another outcome to this solution. And so that is hard to understand. But here's the most beautiful thing about when God does things for his glory, which is the second thing that happens, is it's actually for your good too. And you're like, whoa, I don't know about that. Because, you know, I was told Early on, that God's all powerful and he's got his agenda and he's doing his thing. Well, if you read in verse 14, Jesus says, Lazarus is dead, and here's why it's for your sake. I'm so glad I wasn't there, for now you will really believe. Let's go see him. I wish I had enough time to walk through every promise in the scriptures. But here is the most beautiful thing about the promises of scripture is that every time God is promising something, we are thousands of years later on. And we're like, Oh, I can see, I can see how you got there. God, I can see how you ended up at Jesus. I can, I can see how David did this. And then that is that. And, and then I remember this, and then I got the one year reading plan. And I, I I read that, but when you are looking at scriptures in a human perspective, you're just seeing Abraham who desperately wants to be a parent. It's like, man, I just, I just want a kid. Like you're seeing David desperately wanting to make an impact in his generation. I just, I just want to leave my mark on humanity for the glory of God. Like when you see these stories... It is God meeting their needs at the most base level of the things that they want. But here's the beautiful thing about him is that sometimes our good also means his good, too. And sometimes his good always means our good. So Romans eight twenty eight Right. We recited it last week as God works out all things for the good of those who love him. And so this process of waiting and this process of growth is not for some torture that he has on your life. Like God is doing something good in your life. And one of the things that we have to do when we're waiting on him to do the good in our life is we have to embrace the pace. I had to be like, say, you know what, God, I believe that you're doing the good. I trust that you're doing the good. And now I am willing to wait and walk and surrender and trust and believe that you're doing the good work. And I'm not going to button it up. I'm not going to pretend like this is some fun process. I'm not going to pretend like this doesn't hurt. It hurts to wait. But you know what, God, I'm trusting you. I'm giving you my pain. And then at the end of it, I'm just going to embrace the purposes that you have for my life. I'm just going to embrace it. Because if you are working for your glory, then that means you are working for my good. Yes. Anytime the scriptures want to prove that point, they say this one little line, and they're like, hey, if you're having a hard time believing that, think about Jesus. I just, just pause and think about that for a minute. If God gave up, his one and only son, how is he not going to graciously give us all things? Like it doesn't make sense to give the most valuable thing and hold back the tertiary things, right? Yes. Like if he's a good and gracious and loving God, then he is going to extend his goodness. But we've got to embrace the pace. So here's what I know. is that sometimes... There are things that take time in our life, and we're like, oh God, I'm gonna have to journal that. I'm gonna have to talk about that with my friends, and, and I'm just maybe my counselor. In fact, I, might, I saw this other meme. I'm full of memes today. I saw this meme where a guy said that he asked his counselor who their counselor was, and then they just kept working their way up until they got to the master counselor. Maybe you gotta do that. Maybe you gotta process this. Maybe it's gonna take time. Maybe embracing the pace is gonna be a journey. But here's the most beautiful thing about following Jesus is that sometimes there are things that take time and sometimes there are things that we can do today. And so here's the question I have. Is, Is maybe today looks like surrender. Maybe today looks like letting go of control. Maybe today looks like reciting something that I recite at least five times a day. Lord, I give everything and everyone to you. Like, maybe that's what today looks like. And here's an even bigger urgent question. Like, if if you do not have a working and healthy faith in Jesus, if you are not a believer in Jesus, like, there's just no way you're going to embrace the pace of Jesus because you don't know if you trust Jesus and trust all that is is another word for faith so maybe today's the day where you gotta say lord i have tried my pace long enough i've tried it i I feel like i'm making a train wreck of my life i feel like i'm miserable i feel like I'm, i'm just exhausted from being in control and i'm not even in control i'm exhausted at the appearance of control I'm exhausted for trying to have to make everything add up in my life. And today is the day that I am putting my trust in you. I'm going to embrace the pace because I'm going to embrace you as the Savior over my life. If the work of the cross was good and final for everyone else, it's good enough for me. Like if, if, if forgiveness flows from the cross and grace flows from the cross and mercy flows from the cross, then that's where I want to start. And so I think sometimes we come into church and we act like this is a spectator sport, but it's actually the day where we get to say, you know what, I'm ready to respond. I'm ready to embrace the pace. I'm ready to surrender. I'm ready to give up control. Thank you, God, for making me think I had control. That was really cute and kind of you. But like Jesus, like he is holding every story in this moment. Like there's so many characters in this story. There's so many factors in the travel and in the the days. And he's got every single situation and he's holding them all. And so if he's qualified to do this, why are you not letting him do that in your life? Why are you not letting him run your life? Why are you not letting him be Lord over your life? Well, I know why, because it's scary. But here's the deal. It is the only way forward. It is the only way forward. Embrace the pace. He will embrace your pain. He just will. When has God ever been that I told you so, God? In Scripture, he's the come to me God, right? Hey, come on over. Come to me. You're tired. You're weary. You're heavy laden. Come, Come. Receive rest. And then we get to embrace his purposes. Let me pray. Father, I just pray that um, in this moment as we respond to you, uh, that you would just, just help us hold our hands open. Father, I pray that we would surrender. I pray that even in the surrender, that, that even though we experience pain, uh, that we would know that you are the only one who can be trusted with that pain. Father, we, w- we want to embrace the pace. We want to embrace the pace. Help us embrace how you are moving and why you're moving and what you're doing. And I know that we will persevere through the growing pains and get to the growing promises. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening in to Bright City. If this was encouraging, we'd love for you to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're an owner at Bright City, you can give online at brightcity.church or on Venmo to Bright City. Before you go, we'd love to speak this benediction from Matthew 5 over you. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We love you, bright city.